0: chapter fifteen of st bonaventure's life of our lord and saviour jesus christ by st bonaventure this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen the baptism of our lord jesus christ our saviour after having lived so painful and abject a life until he was completely twenty-nine years old when he entered into his thirtieth year said to his mother the time is now come for me to glorify god and manifest my father by appearing in the world and working the salvation of man for which he sent me be of good heart therefore o beloved mother for i will soon return to you then kneeling to her as a man and her son the great master of humility asks and receives her blessing then she kneels to him as God, receives his blessing, and tenderly embracing him, with tears thus addresses him, Go, my blessed son, go with the blessing of your divine father and mine, be mindful of me, and hasten to return to comfort me. Thus then the blessed Jesus, respectfully taking leave of his beloved mother and her venerable spouse, Sets out from Nazareth towards Jerusalem by the way of the Jordan, where he found John baptizing. Thus the Lord of the world proceeds alone, for as yet he had no disciples. View him then attentively in the presence of God, and see him travelling alone, barefooted, through a long and rugged road, and condole with him. O Lord, whither are you going, and by what ways? Are you not the sovereign of all the kings of the earth? Where, then, O Lord, are your nobles, your soldiers, your attendants, and equipage? Where are your guards, to keep off the populace from approaching too near your sacred person, as other monarchs are wont to have? Where are the trumpets, the instruments, and royal ensigns? Who goes before to prepare a palace for your reception, Where are all the honors paid to the royal worms of this world? Are not the heavens and the earth filled with your glory? Why, then, do you proceed thus inglorious? Do not a thousand thousands pay homage to you in your kingdom above, and millions minister to you? Daniel, chapter 7 Why, then, do you thus travel alone, afoot, nay, barefooted, But, ah, the cause is plain, you are not now in your kingdom. For your kingdom is not of this world. John chapter 18 You have exanimated yourself, taking the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2 You are become as one of us, a wayfarer and a stranger. Psalm 38 Like our fathers, you are become a servant that we may become kings. You are to conduct us to your own kingdom, putting us in the way that leads thither. Why, then, alas, do we go out of it? Why do we not follow you? Why do we not humble ourselves, but pursue and delight in vain honours, empty pomp, and passing enjoyments? It must surely be, because this is our kingdom and that we consider ourselves as natives here and not as pilgrims otherwise why should we be so much taken up here o senseless sons of men why do you embrace the shadow instead of the substance why prefer ye the dubious and transitory to what is certain and lastingly solid why so earnest in giving up eternity for what is but temporal ah it is too true o lord that we forget our being but pilgrims and strangers upon earth otherwise we should find no difficulty in following you we should be content with what is merely necessary on the way and without burdening ourselves or retarding our journey with more follow you running on after the sweet-scented odour of your perfumes we should be free from every load and looking on the transitory things of this life as something behind us or out of our way, we should neglect and despise them. Thus, then, our Lord Jesus humbly travels on some day's journey, till he arrives at the river Jordan. When he arrived at the Jordan, he there found John baptizing sinners, and a great multitude of people who were come thither to hear his preaching. For they took him to be christ jesus therefore says to him i entreat you to baptize me along with these people john looking steadfastly on him and knowing him in spirit with fear and reverence answered lord i myself need to be baptized by you persist not john replies christ but let it be done as i say for it is expedient that I fulfill all justice. Conceal, at present, what you know of me, for my time is not yet come. Baptize me, therefore, for now is a time of humiliation, and therefore will I practice humility in its greatest perfection. Be mindful, then, of the practice of humility, especially as we shall now treat of it with more particularity. The commentary on this place tells us that there are three degrees in humility. The first is to be subject to those above us, and not to prefer ourselves to those who are equal to us. The second is to subject ourselves to our equals, and not to prefer ourselves to our inferiors. The third and most perfect is to place ourselves beneath, and subject ourselves to our inferiors this is the degree christ practised on this occasion and therefore he fulfilled all humility you may hence observe how wonderfully christ advanced in humility by comparing this with the foregoing chapter there he contented himself with the appearance of a mean and abject nay useless servant here he subjects himself to his own servant depreciates himself and extols the other there he humbly conversed with mankind under the outward appearance of insignificance but here his humility is so improved that he puts on the likeness of a sinner and is contented to pass for one for john was preaching penance to and baptizing sinners yet our humble lord jesus will be baptized in their presence nay in company with them he came says st bernard amidst a crowd of populace to the baptism of john and he came as one out of the sinful multitude who was the only one exempt from sin to judge from those about him who would think him to be the son of god who would take him for the great lord of majesty how great is his humility on this occasion the same humility indeed appeared at his circumcision when he likewise took on him the likeness of a sinner but here it shone forth with greater lustre in proportion to the greater number of spectators but was there not room to apprehend that the appearance of a sinner might prejudice him who intended to preach publicly to sinners be that as it may it was not a motive strong enough to hinder this great master of humility from profoundly humbling himself it was his pleasure to seek scorn and self-humiliation by appearing what he was not on purpose to leave us a practical lesson but what use do we make of that instruction who on the contrary put on the likeness of everything but our real selves purely to deceive the world that they may praise and honour us if we think we possess any good qualities, how solicitous are we to expose them to the eyes of the world, and how industrious are we, on the other side, to cover all our defects, though ever so conscious of being sinners? Where is the humility of this? Is this the use we make of Christ's instruction? In relation to this, hear what St. Bernard says There is a humility produced by charity, which helps to kindle it. But there is another humility void of all warmth, which is engendered by self-convicting truth. The latter consists in reflection, the former in affection. For if, at the light of truth, you look seriously on yourself, without flattery or favor, you cannot help being humbled and appearing contemptible in your own eyes. From this true reflection though you perhaps are unwilling to appear so in the eyes of others by these means you will be humble indeed by the operation of truth but not by the infusion of charity for were your heart as sincerely humbled as your mind is convinced of your deserving to be so by the light of that truth which has so faithfully given you to yourself you would doubtless be willing that others should discover in you the deformities which self-conviction has shown to yourself. Though it must be owned that it is neither advisable nor expedient to reveal all that passes within us, and therefore charity and truth jointly forbid us to publish such things of ourselves as may injure us or give offence to others. But who can doubt of your disregard for truth if captivated by self-love you conceal the truth of your own unworthiness which you are inwardly convinced of you prove it sufficiently by preferring to that truth your own interest and vain honour and afterwards he adds if then you are really humble with that true humiliation which truth the great searcher of hearts infuses into the soul add the humility of the will to it, and make a virtue of necessity. For there is no true virtue without the consent of the will, which will then be effected if the desire of outward esteem in the eyes of your neighbor be proportioned to the knowledge you have conceived of the inward state of your soul. For otherwise you have reason to apprehend, lest the dreadful reproach of David be justly applied to you because he hath done deceitfully in his sight that his iniquity may be found unto hatred psalm 35 divers weights saith solomon and divers measures both are abominable before god proverbs chapter 20 which means that having weighed the little value of your own merit within your own breast in the balance of equity and truth you measure it outwardly at a different rate, and impose yourself upon the world for more value than you really are of. But fear God, and let that fear deter you from the guilt of so heinous a crime, that is, of extolling by an ambitious will what truth ought to humble within you, for that is opposing truth, and struggling against the will of God. Choose rather to acquiesce with him, And study that your will be ever subject to truth by a devout and submissive humility. For shall not my soul, saith the royal psalmist, be subject to God? Psalm 61. Neither is it enough to be subject to God only, unless you are likewise the same to all mankind for God's sake. That is, subject to your superiors, subject to your equals, and subject to your inferiors. In this manner Christ teaches us we must fulfill all justice. Go then to your inferior if you will be perfectly righteous, pay a respect to your inferior, and humbly stoop to those beneath you. Thus far St. Bernard, who says again, Who is just but he that is truly humble? For when the Lord of all things would have humbly stooped to his servant, and submitted to be baptized by the hands of St. John, seeing him awed by the majesty of his person, Christ spoke thus to him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it behooves us to fulfil all righteousness, Matthew chapter 2, placing the accomplishment of perfect justice in the perfection of true humility he therefore that is just is truly humble and this justice in the humble is plain in this because he gives to every one his right he robs not another of his property but gives honour to god and retains abjection for himself but this will appear more plainly if you will but consider the injustice of the proud and arrogant who attribute every good gift of god to the rewards of their own merit in relation to which saint bernard again says as evil may take its source from the greatest good when become great we make use of the divine gifts as if they were not such without even making god an acknowledgment for them so they who seem to have reached the highest degree of grandeur and greatness on account of the divine benefits they have received are in truth excessively little for want of returning thanks due to their supreme benefactor however gentle reader i have spared the weakness of your senses in the softening expressions of great and little out of regard to the delicacy of your ears i have forborne calling things by the real names i think they deserve i should have said very wicked and very good for it is beyond all dispute that they are so much the deeper in wickedness who ascribe to themselves the excellencies they may possess nothing in short can be more criminal but should any one say be this crime far from me since i know it is the grace of god that makes me what i am and yet at the same time studiously aim at self-praise for the grace which he has received, is not such a person a thief and a robber? Hear only what he is from the mouth of truth itself. From thy own mouth will I judge thee, O wicked servant, Luke chapter 19. And what indeed can be more execrably wicked than that servant who usurps to himself the praises due to his Lord. Thus far Saint Bernard. Hence you may see that the perfection of all righteousness consists in true humility, which derogates nothing from God's honour, nor attributes that to itself which is not its due. Neither does it injure our neighbour. For the truly humble is neither rash in judging him, nor prefers himself to any one, but rather thinks himself inferior to all mankind and chooses the lowest place among them hence st bernard again says how dost thou know o mortal but that the very man whose flagitious life and infamous conduct you look upon with horror and contempt deeming him the greatest of reprobates and infinitely more sinful than yourself who live or at least seem to yourself to live a sober virtuous or pious life how dost thou know i say but that very man may become not only better than those or than yourself in his future practices and be even now perhaps dearer in the sight of god than you and therefore how do you know but it may be contrary to the divine pleasure for us to place him beneath ourselves or to refuse him the first honour among us choose thou saith christ the lowest place to wit that you alone may be the lowest of all and not only not prefer yourself but even not presume to compare yourself to any thus saith st bernard the virtue of humility is again many ways recommended to us by authentic applauses of the same saint a great mother indeed is humility saith he and a most sublime virtue which earns that for us which we are taught not to aspire to enabling us to attain to the knowledge we cannot learn and to conceive of and from the holy word sublime mysteries not to be explained by words and why so not so much on the account of merit as of the divine pleasure of the eternal father of the word the spouse of the soul our lord jesus christ who is god blessed above all things created and again humility is a virtue by which mankind through a perfect knowledge of his own unworthiness becomes mean in his own sight and in another place the virtue of humility alone can repair the crime of a breach of charity and indeed only that virtue is unaccustomed to vain boasting a stranger to pride, and not given to contention. For he that is truly humble argues not in judgment, nor dissembles any justice. And farther, humility reconciles us to God, and pleaseth Him greatly, when we possess it. Again, humility has ever been a special virtue, intimately annexed to the Divine grace for it is ever customary with holy piety for the sake of preserving humility to require that the more we advance in perfection the less perfect we should think ourselves for even they who are advancing to the supreme degree of spirituality retain still something of the imperfections of the lowest insomuch as they cannot perceive themselves to have attained even the verge of it a beautiful composition is humility and virginity neither is that soul little pleasing in the sight of god in which humility is an ornament to virginity and virginity adorns humility what praise is she not worthy of in whom fertility exalts humility and a birth renders sacred virginity you have here before you a lesson concerning both the virgin and the humble and if you cannot imitate the virginity of the one imitate at least the humility of the other virginity is a laudable virtue but humility much the more necessary that is a counsel this a precept to that you are invited to this you are obliged of that it is said He that can take, let him take. Matthew, chapter 19. But of this, unless you become as this little one, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ibidem, chapter 18. That, therefore, you are rewarded for, and this is expected from you. Wherefore, you may be saved without virginity, but without humility, You cannot, for where virginity is lost and has no more the power to please, the tears shed for it by humility may effectually do it. And without rashness, I may say that the virginity of the sacred virgin herself would not have been pleasing to God without humility. For upon whom shall my spirit rest, saith the Lord, but upon the humble and serene had not then the Holy Virgin been humble, the Holy Ghost would not have rested upon her, and had not the Divine Spirit overshadowed her, undoubtedly she would not have been pregnant. For how indeed without him could she have conceived by him? It is clear then that when she conceived by the Holy Ghost, as herself witnesseth, the Lord regarded the humility of his handmaid more than her virginity whence it follows beyond dispute that it is humility which renders virginity acceptable what reply can the virgin vainly elated make to this our blessed lady having as it were forgotten her virginity glories only in the abjection of her humility and you neglecting this vainly flatter yourself in the possession of an unavailing virginity he beheld saith she the humility of his handmaid she what she truly the holy the pious and the devout virgin and are you more innocently pure more fervently devout than she or can you presume to think that your chastity is greater or more pleasing to god than hers are you able to please without humility when the blessed virgin could not the more honourable your condition is rendered by the gift of chastity by so much the more do you injure yourself as often as you soil that innocence of life with the mixture of pride charity chastity and humility have no beauty in themselves but only in proportion to the beauty they have in the sight of god what is more beautiful than that chastity which renders clean the being conceived from uncleanness changes enmity into friendship and men into angels the angel and the chaste man differ indeed in point of felicity but not of virtue for if the chastity of the one be happier that of the other is stronger it is chastity alone which in this mortal state represents a kind of immortality that alone which amidst the nuptial solemnities imitates the method of that blessed and heavenly region where they neither marry nor are married giving us an imperfect relish of the divine and heavenly conversation there enjoyed among the blessed this frail vessel which here we carry with us and in which we are in danger chastity sanctifies not unlike the sweet-scented balsams wherewith dead bodies are embalmed and preserved from corruption it curbs the senses restrains the faculties of the body and preserves the whole man from contamination and loose desires attending idleness But whatever beauty may appear from the shining ornament of chastity, this, however, is of no value or merit without charity. Nor ought we to wonder at this. For what good indeed can we receive without it? Not faith, though we should remove mountains. Not knowledge, though it be that which speaks with the tongues of angels. Not martyrdom, though by it I should deliver up my body, saith st paul to be burnt neither without it can we receive any good nor with it can we reject any though the most minute chastity without charity is like a lamp without oil extract the oil and the lamp will not burn so take away charity and chastity will not please in a word as chastity avails us nothing without charity so neither the one nor the other avail anything without humility nor can they truly be called virtues for it is by humility that we deserve the possession of them both because to the humble god gives grace humility preserves those virtues we have already acquired for the spirit of god reposes only upon the humble and peaceful It perfects that virtue we are steady in, for virtue is perfected in infirmity, that is, in humility. It conquers pride, that implacable enemy to grace, that source of all iniquity, and rids itself, as well as others, from its insolent tyranny. That alone powerfully resists its malice, and subdues its presumption being a kind of bulwark and asylum of virtue thus far gentle reader have i given you many and beautiful commendations of humility from st bernard that great lover of truth and abjection endeavour likewise to comprehend the sublime doctrines he gives relating to other virtues and practise them but now let us return to the baptism of our lord when john beheld then that it was the will of our lord to be baptized by him he readily submitted and baptized him and here pious reader cast an eye towards him and attentively behold how the lord of majesty humbly unclothes himself like a mere mortal and notwithstanding the coldness of the season descends thus into the frozen river through the immense love he bore us he vouchsafed thus to effect our salvation by instituting the sacrament of baptism to wash away the guilt of our crimes by this he truly espoused to himself not only his whole church but more especially in a singular and ineffable manner the souls of the faithful for by the faith we promise him in our baptism we are truly wedded to our lord jesus the holy prophet saying in his person i will espouse thee to myself in faith hosea chapter two wherefore is this most solemn and ineffable mystery a work of the greatest service and benefit to mankind and therefore the holy church triumphantly sings this day the church is united to her heavenly spouse because Christ in the river Jordan washed away her crimes. And in this most excellent work, the three divine persons of the most sacred Trinity, in a singular manner, manifested themselves and descended. For the Holy Ghost, as a dove, came and remained upon him, and the voice of the Father was heard saying, This is my beloved Son in whom i am well pleased matthew chapter three in which place saith saint bernard he said hear ye him wherefore saith the saint begin then now to speak o beloved jesus since you are now commissioned to speak from your father himself how long o divine virtue and wisdom of god How long, I say, will you lie concealed amidst mankind, and appear only invested with the infirmities of a mere mortal and insignificant man? How long, O glorious King and King of heaven, will you suffer yourself to be called the carpenter's son, and even vouchsafe to be thought so? For the holy evangelist, St. Luke, witnesseth that, he was still thought the son of joseph luke chapter three. O humility of christ how greatly dost thou confound the excess of my vanity i scarce know anything and yet flatter myself to know much and never know when or how to be silent but without shame being indiscreetly forward and full of vain boasting i am quick in talking ready in teaching and slow in hearkening to others but when christ remained silent during so long a space of time and hid the treasures of his divine wisdom from mankind was it think you because he feared the assaults of vainglory from the empty praises of men what had he to fear from that who was the true glory of his father he feared however but his fear was not for himself but for us he was afraid for us well knowing the room there was for such fear for us he was careful us he instructed more by works than by words and what he afterwards taught us by word he proclaimed by example learn of me because i am meek and humble of heart matthew chapter eleven We hear of very little before concerning the infancy of Jesus Christ, and now to the three-and-thirtieth year of his age we hear of nothing he either did or said. However, from this time he can no longer remain concealed, being thus publicly declared by his father. Thus far, St. Bernard and this is the authority which i adduced in the foregoing chapter from which you may understand how our lord jesus humbly remained silent so long a space of time for our greater spiritual instruction and you cannot but observe in the whole series of what has been already said the true practice of a profound humility concerning which i cannot speak to you but with pleasure it being a most sublime virtue, and what we stand greatly in need of, and is, with so much the more study to be sought, and admired with so much the greater affection, by how much the more our Lord in every action of his life was remarkably solicitous of practising it. End of chapter 15